I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth Admission. Should California public school students be able to take math at an accelerated pace or not? The state is leaning towards adopting guidelines that would move Algebra 1 out of middle school and into high school, mirroring a controversial change San Francisco public schools made in 2014. Some parents are fighting back, saying their kids should be able to advance in math if they want to. Chronicle reporter Jill Tucker is here to discuss that story and also talks about a fight over whether distance learning should continue to exist this fall. Jill Tucker, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. I still maintain that you are one of the busiest reporters at the Chronicle these days because your beat is just never-ending education. Oh, I'm sorry. I just drifted off to sleep for a second. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm exhausted, but it's been an exciting year. Yep, yep. Yes, you have like a front page story every day. Um, the latest is a look at math and how California is looking at changing the way students will take it. So how does it work now and what is California thinking about doing? Yeah, so um, so right now districts actually um, teach math differently. They, they offer it in various grades, you know, because California really is of the thousand districts. It's, it's very localized and that's not going to change. However, we are in the midst of what is beginning to be another math war over how the state thinks math should be taught and and what they're planning, what they're proposing really is contrary to sort of um, the parents who, and, and students who want to be able to accelerate, who want to take, you know, calculus, AB, calculus, BC, and even other uh, higher courses like that in, in high school. But what's happening is that the state is adopting a new framework, which is a really wonky word for basically how to teach math. And it's not mandatory. These are just guidelines, suggestions for the ways to teach different concepts in math. But behind it is sort of a philosophy that they are pushing in this, which is that we should not rush through math, that, that getting to calculus in high school is not the end goal, and that, in fact, all kids should take the same math classes through sophomore year in high school, and then after that, they can differentiate and, and take some of the higher-level courses or, or do what they want to do. Now, of course, that, that's what kids do now already in basically kindergarten to sixth, sixth grade, usually seventh grade, um, where they all take the same math, right? Fifth grade math is mm-hmm. fifth grade math. Um, but usually in about eighth grade, they start what they call tracking kids to a certain degree so that some kids are speeding through algebra or combining classes so that they can get to calculus or beyond in their senior year. So really everything's changing and nothing's changing, if that makes sense, right? (laughs) It's, you know, the philosophy that the state has toward math looks like it's going to get a big overhaul. But will that actually change what happens in the districts? Well, that's going to be a local decision. Mm-hmm. So the state may give different guidelines, but it'll be up to each individual school board to decide whether they want to adopt them. Right. Yeah. The state gives content standards and that's different. That's what is taught, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's fractions or, you know, what types of concepts are taught. And the framework, which is what this debate and hullabaloo is all about, is really sort of the how and, and to a mm-hmm. certain degree when. Right. So do you teach algebra in the ninth grade or do you or, or eighth grade or do you hold off until the ninth grade? Well, the state is recommending to hold off. Um, that's something San Francisco did actually a while back. Um, and so uh, 
you know, so there is evidence that districts are already doing that. I think, though, the concern is that what you might see is a split, that wealthier districts, that there's no way they're going to get rid of eighth grade algebra. Mm, and, that's a good point. Yeah. And other places might, you know, might decide they want to do that for equity reasons and to make sure kids aren't tracked, you know, out of out of math. Mm hmm. So what is the thinking behind um, doing what San Francisco did and making it so that students all take the same courses in, in middle school? Yeah, I think um, part of it is the Common Core where they're teaching higher math concepts, even starting back like in kindergarten. Algebraic concepts are now part of like kindergarten. Um, but eighth grade math is actually actually includes a lot of algebra under the Common Core. And I think they you know they didn't want to see sort of that split in middle school, which can really discourage some kids from pursuing higher math because they're, they feel like they're not, you know, the smart kids, they're not smart in math. So, in, in, so and, and the reality was a lot of kids were failing Algebra 1. And so they decided to hold off. It was a huge controversy in 2014. It still is. Mm -hmm. I still get emails about it. <laughs> I uh, do too. Uh, yeah. Tagged on Twitter all the time. Did you hear what they did? To <laughs> it's like, like seven years ago, I did hear about what they did. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they decided to wait. And, and there are ways for kids to accelerate courses to get to calculus later, obviously. And, and what they found was that the rate of passing algebra exponentially increased in across demographics and that now they're seeing more kids taking higher level math including AP statistics and calculus and other higher level courses and AP courses in math than they did before this happened and so this didn't actually prevent anybody from reaching the higher levels it actually increased the number because that Algebra 1 course is so critical. It's like the highest predictor of graduating high school and in some cases graduating college. Like if you get through that with that confidence, you know, it really is a great predictor of being able to continue and, and take those higher levels. So, so that's what San Francisco did. And they're sort of going, look, it worked. Um, you know, kids can still access calculus and we have more kids passing algebra and taking higher level math classes. And that's kind of, you know, the, the state framework, the, the proposal re uh, refers to San Francisco several times um, and, and what was done here as, uh, you know, sort of evidence um, that this is a better approach to teach kids more depth, more love of math, rather than just checking off course boxes, you know, to, to, to rather than the philosophy really that the higher level you get the smarter you are. And the state mm -hmm. is basically saying, no, the, getting to a high level doesn't mean that you're smart. It just means that you made it through the courses. And, you mm -hmm. know, it's one, one person called it sort of a, a, a math course arms race, you know, who could get to that more, more uh, you know, higher levels. And, and yeah. yeah, so that's, uh, you know, that, that, that's what this sort of debate is. You know, you have these two sides um, sort of squaring off against each other. Mm -hmm. Well, I remember taking calculus in high school and I know I got an A, but I, I literally remember nothing about it. I don't even remember really what calculus is. So yeah, no, same, I, same. I actually passed the calculus AP test, but I was one of those kids that didn't understand any of it and never took math again. 
And I, you yeah, know, I've, I've, I've been telling some of the, the mathematicians out there about that. And they're like, you and a gazillion other people have that exact same story. And that's to a certain degree, what's behind this is, you know, all the kids that have learned to hate math, they don't mm-hmm. want that. You know, they don't want kids saying, I'm not good at math or I hate it. You know, they want kids to have a deeper understanding so that if they do get to calculus, they actually understand why, you know, it exists. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's... I, I still don't know. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> neither do I. Um, that said, they, they you know, the parents on the other side, you know, are, are just saying, look, my kid is bored in these classes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, they want to push forward. They're capable of pushing forward. Mm-hmm. Why would we want to restrain them? Um, you know, we should be allowing them to blossom and go as far as they can. Yeah. Um, and there's some pretty high profile critics of this idea. I noticed you included um, a tweet from Congressman Ted Liu, who's very popular on Twitter. He said the 21st century requires more education, not less. Your proposed math framework takes our takes our state backwards. You will be hurting an entire generation of children and our future. Do not do this. So that's pretty strong. Yeah, it is pretty strong, <laughs> strong language. I, you know, and I think that there's there's maybe a little confusion there or or at least um, among, you know, people who saw that tweet, there's a lot of people promoting the idea that California is getting rid of calculus, you know, with Mm -hmm. this proposal. And the reality is that the proposal does not recommend getting rid of calculus. And number two, it's voluntary, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of, I think there's a misunderstanding that that this would be a mandate. um, And, and that's not the case. In fact, the last mandate they had in math was um, in the late 1990s, uh, when they made eighth grade algebra a requirement, basically, and the, the the legislature and the governor and they they tested algebra as an eighth grade topic, and then about fifteen years later said, "Oops, that didn't work. Too many kids are failing." So you know the at the pendulum swings in public education, uh, and and we're swinging again. Oh yes. Well, we're gonna take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about another hot button topic, which is distance learning. So uh, Jill Tucker, education reporter, is still with us. And you have another story out um, of the many, many, many stories you've been writing um, about the fate of distance learning and whether it will will continue to exist um, this fall in California. So what's going on with that? Well, yeah. So as as we know, um, a significant number of of California, six million student public school students are still in distance learning. A lot of schools have opened. Um, but they're in hybrid or they're um, it's only for certain grades. Like in San Francisco, um, you know, the vast majority of middle and high school kids are still not back. Um, and so I think there's a, a great concern about what is the future of distance learning as we head into the fall, um, the summer. Um, is the le- legislature still going to allow distance learning and hybrid learning? And I think that that raises a lot of anxiety and fear for families who um, are, are scared that their districts, um, as they did this spring or earlier this year, um, remained in distance learning d- despite case rates dropping and, and vaccination of teachers and things like that. So, um, you know, so so there's a debate, though, about whether um, the state wants to keep some form of distance learning, which has proven successful for some kids and some families. And, and keep what we've learned about how to do that better, right, um, as a part of sort of the public education spectrum. And so this debate is going on in Sacramento right now. Will they allow 
distance learning in a form that isn't independent study, which already exists. Um, independent study is you do the work on your own and you submit it to a teacher. Distance learning is more live instruction via Zoom and, you know, that type of thing. Um, so will they allow some sort of distance learning um, as an option for districts or hybrid learning? Um, and and that's all up for debate in Sacramento. And it, it it's um, it's raising a lot of hackles among among legislators and parents and education folks and unions and teachers and and all of the above, because I think people want they want certainty, right? They want to be able, mm-hmm. they want predictability for what will happen in the fall. And I think they feel like if they start adding in some of these, you know, options that districts might abuse them and go back in the fall fully in distance learning or in hybrid, um, even if that's not a parent choice. Um, mm-hmm. so, so it really is about how the legislation would be crafted but a lot of folks are saying, yeah, let's have it as an option. You know, this worked for a lot of people. And there's a lot of teachers who are good at it, you know, who might want to continue doing that. Um, you know, but there's a lot of fear out there because, you know, the vast majority of parents want their kids back in a classroom. Mm-hmm. And the thinking is that if distance learning is allowed, that it might just continue forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that'll happen. I think they, that the legislature has gotten enough uh, screaming people um, that they realize they have to put some ba- barriers on it, you know, some some ways to sort of limit it and not allow districts to just, you know, completely go all in if there's, you know, two cases of, of COVID in the fall um, or something like that, you know, that they mm-hmm. can't let fear um, direct their decision, but rather parent choice and, um, you know, whether that should be an option uh, for, for some people, Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But not as a requirement, not as, you know, I think the expectation, as they all say, is that schools will be fully reopened in the fall. I think parents are, want them to take out the word expectation, as the governor mm-hmm. uses a lot, and just say schools will be fully reopened in the fall. And that is not mm-hmm. a message that they've gotten yet in a lot of places. No. Yeah. Yeah. In San Francisco, there is no timeline still. Um you know, concrete date for return from middle and high school. What are you anticipating? Do you think that um, it'll open in August like normal or will there be some modifications and, and when will we know and how will that be decided? Yeah. Um, so I do think we will see seniors back uh, this month, uh, but it'll only be like a couple days a week for a couple hours for activities. Um, you know, so, so we will see a little bit more reopening before the summer in San Francisco. Um I, I don't know when the timing will be. I think everybody's waiting for what the state says um, mm-hmm. and because they have to follow state law. Um, they still have to negotiate with unions over those things. And in San Francisco, that was a very long process. Um, I, you know, if I, if I had to guess, I would guess that in general, all schools will reopen full time to all kids in the fall with masking, um, you know, and, and, and other types of, of hygiene, like water fountains will be off limits and things, you know, some of those things will still Mm -hmm. be there, but, but fewer than we have had. Um, Mm -hmm. and there may be some places where, because of a lack of ventilation, like at the Ruth Asawa school of the arts, um, the, the rooms don't open, they don't have windows to the outside. So, um, or some of them, and so, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, the teachers are kind of afraid to be in those rooms. And so they're looking at whether they can get air scrubbers or, 
you know, how they can do that. Um, and so there are still some technicalities to work out depending on health guidelines, um, because I do think that there will still be the need for some type of PPE and, mm-hmm. you know, some types of guidelines for mitigation, um, you know, and also it'll depend on who can get vaccinated by then. Yeah. You know, which I think we're going to see 12 to 15 year olds and possibly even, you know, two years and up, um, mm-hmm. perhaps before the fall. And if that yeah. happens, then, you know, I think we're fully reopened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> always good to talk to you. You too. Thank you very much for joining me. Thanks. <laughs> Take care. Thank you to Jill Tucker for joining me today, to Karen Creighton for producing this episode, and to you for listening. <laughs>